Hey everybody, it's me, Rocky, with Just Add That. We're coming to you today with another fantastic episode of Just Add Chat. Today we're going to be talking about the intimidating world of blogging. Uh, So you definitely don't want to miss today's reader question, so stay tuned. And we're back. So today we're going to be talking about some of the many challenges in the blogging world. Today we have a reader question that came in um, from uh, someone named Gayanne. And Gayanne has um, lots of different um, insecurities that are going on that, well, I wanted to address that maybe other listeners have as bloggers. So she says, the blogging world can be a little intimidating for a person looking to start a blog. How can a new blogger come compete with the many that are out there. So she is asking a fantastic question and we all have felt like that as bloggers. I mean, I can remember when I first started blogging that I was remember thinking, how am I going to be different? How am I going to be unique? And I'm going to be honest with you, Gayanne. There are lots of different things that are intimidating, but I'm going to give you like a little brief scenario. Let's say you're at the grocery store and I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I go to these big fancy uh, grocery stores um sometimes i'm thinking oh yeah i need to get a box of cereal and then you walk down the cereal aisle only to see that one entire side is nothing but bags and boxes of all these amazing different cereals and if you look on the other side you are literally consumed with things like granolas and hot cereal options cream of wheats um not to necessarily go through and name any name brands but you have just these different products that are just on and on and on and on and then you get into other breakfast options such as toaster pastries and uh, you know granola bars and cereal bars and it just seems like it's never ending there are so many different cereal options just by walking down this one aisle and breakfast options to boot so as you're going through there and you're going and you're looking at the cereals I want to ask you a question um do you decide well I don't think I'm going to get cereal because the aisle is just too intimidating I think I'm just going to walk away now there may be some different cases where uh, people have social phobias and maybe some uh, intimidation with shopping but the average person um, just is not like that so they may walk in and they're like hmm I don't know if I'm interested in a cereal that has maybe some bananas in it they've got dried bananas some of them have dried strawberries and blueberries in it some of them are chocolate flavored some of them are fruit flavored um some of them are just plain like you can add your own flavorings to it um some of them are super sweet and sugary some of them are chock full of healthy things like um raisins and you know added granola with regular cereal flakes there is literally a plethora of options out there of cereal but the average person goes in there and they really look at stuff. Now you could take the analytical approach to the cereal scenario and you can literally read every box and every type that's on there. You're going to be there for a while, maybe several hours. Maybe you have to come back a day or two because grocery manager's like, hey, you're taking way too long on the cereal aisle. We're going to have to have you to move along. Uh, but the average person doesn't usually do that. They may look for a few minutes, maybe 15 or 20 if they're really having a hard time deciding. But you really don't see people sitting there for hours on end um, looking for cereal. The average person is probably in there no more 5, 10 minutes at the absolute craziest amount most. Just because they are reading labels and trying to figure out exactly what they want.
But you might be interested in a honey nut variety, or you might be interested in vanilla almond variety. Um, there are literally different flavors to appeal to such a, a wide range audience. Uh, but you don't give up on the option of going for cereal. So blogs are like that too. You can literally get on a search engine, look on a page like Yahoo, for example, the front lines, or you can even go to uh, news like ABC Go. And you can see literally clickable links everywhere. If you go on Facebook, you have people who are posting their own Facebook um, comments, their own Facebook blogs. And so it just goes on and on and on and on. But they don't give up the idea of blogging. So while it can be intimidating, the idea isn't necessarily to invent the wheel or in this case, invent new cereal. The idea is you've already got cereal. And the average person has a type of cereal, insert your base flavor, and that's where the brands are making their money. They are taking that base cereal and making a new variety. So let's say you have a basic um, Cheerio-style cereal. It's just this little O, and maybe it's made from wheat, maybe it's made from oats. Uh, we'll just stick with this scenario. So you have this basic O cereal, and you think, hmm, I really like this cereal, but there's some ways to make it better. So you go to your pantry, or you go to your cabinets, and you start looking like, ooh, I kind of like honey. Maybe I could drizzle some honey on top. That makes it taste pretty good. Ooh, I've got some leftover pecans from when I last made a pecan pie or um, a dessert that was fast, quick, and easy where I had pecans on top. Maybe you had one of those pretzel salads. I love those things. Um, so you start to look at those kind of varieties and you think, okay, that made it really taste good. I really like those flavors together. Maybe you started searching around and you happen to have a fruit bowl on your table and you're like, oh, there are some bananas and some apples. I think that would be really great. So you start cutting up and you break up these different things. Now you don't have just a plain oh cereal. You have created your own cereal concoction, your own breakfast phenomenon. And so it's delicious. In fact, it might possibly be your favorite cold breakfast out there. Um, so you become excited about it. Maybe it's so good you decide you're going to try some dried fruit varieties, some uh, different ways that you're going to add it to make it a little more convenient for you because you don't want to have to hunt and choose all this stuff. And it would be easier to store in the cabinet like that. So I want you to think about your blog like that. You have an option, a base out there. We're going to call that base your domain. And you've got your domain out there. Now the question is, what kind of niche are you going to have? What's your flavor? That's what I want to talk about with your niche. I always tell people, don't write about your passions, okay? I might be passionate about eggs, but I'm going to tell you right here and right now that my delicious cereal concoction that I have with my little cereal O's with honey, with banana, with uh, apples and pecans is not going to go good with boiled eggs. I mean, boiled egg on the side might be fine, but there's no way I'm going to put that in my actual cereal. So you might be passionate about something. Um, and it's good to be passionate about stuff, but don't write about those passions because I'm passionate about lots of different things. You probably are too. I'm passionate about my kids. Doesn't mean that you want to hear each and every little single detail about their lives, um, especially if they decided not to do their homework. Uh, you would want solutions on how I handled that problem, probably, uh, but not necessarily, you know, the fact that I woke up 
put my socks on, went to work, came back, and drew a paycheck. That's kind of a little bit not so interesting content. Now, you might want to know how I went about making my paycheck, what kind of a job that I do, how I'm benefiting, those kind of things you might be interested in. But that's a niche. That's a topic that you can talk about. Now, when you create a niche, um, it is okay to become passionate about your niche after you have it established. So you are not writing about your passions. It's about making your niche, your uh, topic, uh, become a passion later on to you. Um, so I'm going to go back and we're going to continue to talk about Gayanne's uh, question and go in a little further detail because, you know, there's some things I want to challenge you as a blogger, but we're going to take just a quick short break um, and then we're going to come right back into it. So stick around. Are you tired of your boring blog? and fall in love with your audience by visiting Just Add That. Just Add That is different than other blogs that just write random stuff expecting you to be a pro. Find great advice and easy-to-read tips on making your site better than ever. Just Add That has all the resources to help you create a fantastic blog. Don't waste another second with your boring blog. Visit JustAddThat.com and turn your blog from blah to bestseller today. All right, folks, we're back. So I want to talk to you guys, just for those of you who may be tuning in at a different part. Usually you listen to the podcast on through, but sometimes we get distracted with phone calls or um, messages or, you know, we're driving. So we're going back to talking about my reader, Gay Ann's question. Um, the blogging world can be a little intimidating for a person looking to start a blog. How can a new blogger compete with the many that's out there? So this segment, we're going to be talking about um, how to challenge yourself as a blogger um, so you're not so intimidated by the bigger guys out there and how you can compete even in the smaller market. So I want to challenge you guys as a blogger to not be intimidated by the professionals out there. I know that sounds like, well, duh, isn't that what this segment is about? But seriously, um, obviously, if I go out and say, well, I'm going to compete with insert your retail giant. I'm going to pick on Walmart for right now. I absolutely love shopping at Walmart. And if I say, you know what? I'm going to compete against Walmart. Well, the reality of it is I'm going to look at my bank account and realize, hmm, I don't have the resources and the funding that Walmart has. Second of all, I'm going to go through and I'm going to look, hmm, I don't have the staff or the support and again, the funding to be able to do those things. I don't even have the products or anything close to that. So I have to literally start from square one. So when we go back and we think about it, Sam Walton, the original founder of Walmart, actually had to start somewhere. You know, it just didn't just happen overnight that he had Walmart. Um, it it started out as a mom and pop store. What I mean that is it was a small business at one point in time. Um, what happened was when uh, Mr. Walton started this dream of his, he saw different things on a smaller perspective. Maybe he saw, okay, I, there are other stores out there. Let me backtrack just a second. He did not invent the grocery store. We have grocery stores that ex invent were around long before 
Sam Walton's Walmart ever was. We have general stores that existed before that. We have marketplaces that have existed for centuries and different types of door-to-door salesman trade. There's all these different retail outlets that are out there. And he sure didn't have the internet and things to really keep into consideration when he was starting Walmart. Um, So we're going to go back and we're going to assume that Mr. Walton um, just had a dream of making his store different and better than what he was seeing around him. So maybe he went out to his local store and he needed to buy some pants and when he went there he just didn't like the options that were available there and he started looking around thought hmm I could buy from this wholesaler I could buy from this other retailer for a cheaper price and I can turn around and I can sell better pants I can sell more variety more options and maybe hey I'm going to take it a step further Um, I'm going to offer some casual wear and maybe some nicer stuff too so he kind of you know started playing around with those ideas not necessarily that he just started with pants He may have started with an idea that there was some product out there that maybe he just didn't like the options that were presented to him. So he wanted to offer a store. So Walmart's premise that a lot of people seem to fail to realize is it's usually a discount store. So um, the idea that it's a discount store versus going to a larger retail store up at the mall means that you can offer uh, more competitive prices, maybe cheaper prices. It may... uh, it may cause a problem with integrity with your product, but the idea of it is that you can find a quality product that you can sell at a quality price um, at a reasonable price that's going to attract your customers. So we're going to go back and we're going to retract and go back to talking about our blog Everybody starts somewhere as they build their empire. So, you know, Mr. Walton could have said, you know, okay, my store is fine. I've got one store. You know, I've got pretty good amount of business. I'm just going to leave it here. And it could have stayed in his little hometown. But he had a bigger vision. Once he met his goals of, okay, I now have a store. I now have products that I feel confident selling to my customers that I feel like they're responding to. How can I reach a bigger audience? So he starts looking into different communities. He is now looking into, you know, the towns that are around him. Um, Maybe he's starting to look into bigger cities because maybe they're, audience maybe their customer base is not happy with their choices as well so he's going to pick his market selectively and think okay this community can benefit from my store so maybe he opens up a second store second store just does as good as the first store maybe he decides he's going to open two more stores so they start doing really well and he creates more stores so now he has created a different kind of image first he goes through and he has products that he feels like his 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 audience or his customers really are needing and wanting and so now he's branched out to a different community who has similar needs and wants and so now he is able to start making new goals like okay let's see how many different places that I can reach and I can make a difference so he goes out there and let's say he gets a hundred stores and they all do pretty well but maybe 10 of them didn't do as well as the other 90 did um so he might consider well they're not 
the the community likes my stuff, but I've got to figure out a way to change products around or I have to consider shutting my stores down and putting them elsewhere. So the goals of your blog are kind of like this retail. You have to kind of shift your goals. Okay, so your first goal is to write a blog. Second of all is what are you going to write your blog about? Like you're like, okay, I want to do a blog. Now what do I want to write about? I want to write about, oh, okay, I want to write about crazy cat stories. I'll go back to that analogy from some of our previous episodes. So um, crazy cat stories turns into crazy cat antics, turns into, you know, um, a whole cat empire where you can sell cat toys, you can sell uh, cat products, you can sell cat videos, you know, uh, tutorials on how to train your cat, on and on and on and on and on. There are literally, the sky's the limit with the category. Um, so I want to challenge you as a blogger, uh, you know, while I don't have the resources right now to go out and uh, go after a retail giant at this exact moment the same way, it doesn't mean that I can't build a small, reputable retail market and brand myself out a little bit. So that's the next segment we're going to talk about. We're going to take another break, um, just a little quick break, and then we're going to start talking about branding a little bit and what's the big deal um, with having a brand, even though you're a little bitty small blogger. So stay tuned. Let's get this branding party started. So what do I mean by branding? There are literal products out there that we like, and you can name them by brand. Um, There could be a reason from personal experience, like it's your favorite toothbrush. You love the way it feels on your gums. You love the way it breaks up the plaque. You love the way it makes your teeth smile, sparkle, Uh, whatever it is. maybe, Maybe it has this breath freshener that's built into it and you just love the way that your teeth and your tongue feel when you get done brushing your teeth that is branding so what you're talking about is you have found a product maybe from a commercial maybe from shopping in the store maybe it's from the packaging but whatever it is you have found it to be something that's relatable so um Going back to when we were talking about our cereal analogy, when you realize that each blogger and your niche is like a type of brand of cereal or like a type of brand of store like we were talking about, it's just a matter of choosing what sounds good and, you know, what's comfortable. Um, You know, we shop major retailers all the time and the things that we relate to the most are the brands. And, you know, we choose our grocery products, we choose our clothes uh, based on how that brand relates relates to us. So when you're looking at your niche, um, you're you're building a brand. So we're going to go back to talking about our cereal uh, product. So I was telling you we had earlier in our segment a type of cereal O that's just a base cereal. It didn't have really any flavor to it at all. It was just a simple basic flavor where we added some honey we added pecans we added apples and we added bananas to it now we've got our own flavor of cereal um so i want you to think about that with your blog you've got a base blog anybody can start a blog uh, but you are building a certain quality to it certain flavors certain niche and that is what's going to be the key base ingredient to your brand so if we were going to market and brand this cereal we might might call it, um, you know, 
healthy options. And so we've got honey, which has, you know, healing abilities from ancient days. You have pecans, which are full of fat, but they're full of like good, healthy fats, especially that are good for your brain, that are good for your heart. Um, you've got apples and bananas that are awesome. There's that saying an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And you've got bananas that have that sugary, sweet taste. And you put all those things together. And yes, while it's loaded full of delicious sugar, it's all good um, sugars that are, you know, healthier than if I just, you know, piled in cups and cups and cups of just plain white refined sugar. Um, so you have a blog that you've added your own twist to, your own elements, your own uh, value to your readers that is kind of building like this cereal. So you find out what does a person want in a healthy cereal that tastes as good as the sugary ones. So that's your brand that you're going to be talking about. That's what you're trying to answer that question for your audience. And so your niche, you have great products with great taste, like that cereal we were talking about. It's adding value, nourishment to your audience, like a healthy cereal. And how you brand that and your values is what's going to sell your product. It's not going to be its originality. Um, what is going to be is its relatability. You might have somebody who's allergic to nuts. Do you really want to brand and to target that audience that has a nut allergy? Absolutely not. There are people who have latex allergies who are allergic to avocados and bananas. Do you think that you want to target that audience? Absolutely not. You're one, going to possibly kill somebody and two, you're probably going to get sued. So those are not the kind of that's not your audience. So appealing your brand isn't necessarily for everyone. It's about finding that target audience. Somebody who is going to benefit from the potassium, like a heart patient with uh, the bananas. Somebody who is going to benefit from the apples for nutritious purposes. So maybe it's a younger person. Maybe it's somebody who needs to build up their immune system with the honey. Or it's somebody who um, is looking for a healthier option to just insert your original cereal. And going back to talking about your blog, your, your blog's the same way. Um, if, your if your blog is talking about parenting, for example, you are not going to be going out and looking for somebody who is 18, who doesn't have a kid, who has no clue what it means to be a parent. Um, they're not going to get any value from it. Or if you're targeting an 80-year-old individual who never had children or even married, they're not going to be interested in your topic. They just aren't. Um, so it's okay to not have everybody who is, you know, rushing to your blog just so you have the sake of clicks just for the sake of traffic what you want are people who are going to get value from your brand from your particular blog you know um, I'll give you another example. Thomas Edison is credited with the invention of the light bulb, but he's literally not the only person that was working on it or even was inventing it at the time. You hear there are individuals when you go through and you look at uh, history like Joseph Swan, Alessandro Volta, um, Humphrey Davy, they contributed just as much to the light bulb as Edison. But because of Edison's devotion to the project, um, something like trying a light bulb 10,000 times. There's like a quote. I'll have to look that up guys. Cause I really, it's going to drive me crazy if I don't tell you. Um, but he went down in history as the inventor because he devoted so much time and research to it. So let's see, I'm going to look that up really quick. 
10,000 times light bulb and see what comes up. Okay, it says in here that the quote is Edison failed 10,000 times before perfecting the incandescent electric light bulb. For those of you who don't know what incandescent means, that is just a basic light bulb. Um, don't worry if you fail once. Edison failed 10,000 times before protecting, before perfecting the incandescent electric light bulb. So um, I'm going to tell you right here and right now, I cannot tell you how many times that I have failed at my blog. I'm not even going to attempt to count, but I can tell you it's literally over 100 times. Maybe even closer to 1,000 if I literally sat down and started writing it down. I have literally gone every route, like do's and don'ts, don't do this, don't do that. Um, I don't mean to get kicked out of communities, but I have gotten kicked out of a community or two before because I didn't understand etiquette. I didn't understand questions. And guys, I just don't want that to happen to you. Um, I've had some hard knocks along the way, some hard lessons, some people who think that I'm just, you know, nasty, mean and shrewd. And really, I'm just clueless whenever it comes uh, to first starting out in the topic of blogging and so that's why I classify myself as a professional now any and all mistakes that could be made have been made by me so uh, we're just going back I want you to think about going back to talking about Thomas Edison and Joseph Swan Alessandro Volta and Humphrey Davy pretend that all of these are blog names okay um, you've got all of these topics that are talking about the light bulbs but they all have different perspectives on it you know Joseph Swan used different wiring Alessandro Volta used different glass types Humphrey Davy used different you know combinations as well that were not the same as Thomas Edison but all four guys had the same goal in mind. They wanted to talk about and invent the light bulb. And so um, there are retailers out there. I was talking about retail giants like Walmart earlier and using an example with Sam Walton. Um, you know, but he changed uh, the way we look at discount stores. We changed the way that that whole family and that branding has changed the way we shop. It's a, it's a different kind of convenience. You could even talk about Amazon, for example, the retail giant that's online. They have warehouses. I mean, they're just now starting to come out with a store or two. But the reality of it is Amazon is not one of those attainable stores that I can just drive down the road and, oh, yeah, there's an Amazon. Um, but it, it revolutionized. They didn't invent retail or shopping or stores they made a better store a different kind of way to shop so I want you to take don't in, don't go out and reinvent the light bulb ha 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 you know the analogy what you're going to do is you're going to figure out how to make it better think about since uh, Thomas Edison's Edison bulb the original light bulb you have different variations of incandescent bulbs that's come out you have Christmas light bulbs um, you go out and you have tube lighting um, if you go even further you can look we have fluorescent lights he did not invent the fluorescent bulb um, we have, you know, floodlights that are outside. You have those awesome stage lights when you go to concerts. Um, there are literally, you got traffic lights, you know, thousands of different types of bulbs out there. And somebody has taken a base design and figured out a better way. Um, those halogen bulbs that are out that, you know, don't use as much wattage have really revolutionized the way that we use energy. Um, somebody didn't go out and invent the light bulb they made the product better so I want you to think about and challenge you when you're building your blog don't go out and invent the blog go out and invent a better blog um, 
take your readers to a whole new level with your experience. Um, you know, these guys, like I was saying, they didn't invent new ways to sell products. Uh, they perfected, you know, the entire experience. And that's what you have to do as a blogger. It's not about inventing the new blog, like I'm saying and reiterating. It's about taking those experiences that you have made, like my mistakes I was telling you, and making your audience's blogging experiences even better. So um, that's going to be all for today. I want to challenge you guys. Be sure to stop by my website, uh, justaddat.com. And I want you to keep in touch. I want you to feel free to email me. It's Roxana, R-O-X-A-N-A dot guy, G-Y's in that phrase, that guy over there. And it's at justaddatonline.com. So Roxana dot guy at justaddatonline.com email me. I want to hear from you. I'd love to hear um, how my podcast, how my website um, is helping you. Maybe you have questions that you would love for me to talk about and discuss on the podcast or to write articles about. I would love to hear from you. Tell me more about your blogging journey along the way. And let's make real connections. Um, For more great reads, be sure to go by my website, which is justaddat.com. For those of you who want to get more specific, www.justaddat.com also works. Or you can just type in your search engine, just add that, and you should see my name that pops up. Um, So uh, for um, more great reads, check it out. Um, and be sure to connect with us on social media. We are available at facebook.com slash just add that. Connect with me on Twitter at just add that. Connect with me on Instagram, which is instagram.com uh, slash just underscore add underscore that.com. We are available on YouTube as well as on LinkedIn. Um, so be sure to connect with us. And, and oh, and we're on Google Plus as well. I don't want to leave that out. So uh, see you guys next time.